What's up, everybody, and welcome back to the Sam's Report. I'm Brad, as always, because that's who I don't know who else would be doing this uh, if it wasn't for me. But here we are, back again, kicking off February second with I think this is going to be a good show. Um, we're gonna we're gonna shoot some things off the cuff here, and uh, you know take everything with a grain of salt. But we'll we'll get into that here in a little bit because uh, Microsoft this week re announced their earnings. They they do this every quarter, and this is not a big surprise. And uh, just a, a quick highlight here: there's some really good write-ups on the internet. Um, I did a write-up, whatever you can go find, go find your favorite one. But uh, 28.9, you know, roughly, you know, upper 20 billion in revenue, which is a 12% increase year over year. That's great. That's pretty much kind of like the benchmark is year over year performance. Uh, people might look at last quarter or the next quarter and compare, but typically Wall Street likes year over year because then you have the same time frame, blah, 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 blah. So 12% increase, really good. Uh, net income was 7.5 billion, which basically means that after all their expenses, they have uh, 7.5 billion dollars to go spend wherever the hell they want, um, give out bonuses, invest in new Surface devices, um, hire more people, or buy stock back, um, called stock buybacks, you know, very technical name there. But um, yeah. Now, what's interesting here is that Microsoft is also taking a tax charge of around 13 billion dollars. So technically, Technically speaking, on paper only, they lost money in the quarter, but that's on paper pretty much only. Because what they're doing, because of the tax law that was passed, they are repatriating a whole bunch of money. We don't know exactly how much, but we believe it's over like $100 billion. It's a lot of money. And so they're paying $13 billion in taxes on top of that. And that's why it ends up with a net loss. But in reality, they made money, and now they're going to have a whole bunch of new cash in the United States that they can... Um, that they can do whatever they want with. So they've got that going on. Now, diving into some of the deeper numbers here. Surface, this is actually a little bit concerning, to be honest. Surface revenue was relatively flat at 1%. 1% uh, increase. That's It's flat. Flat meaning there's really no change from year over year. The reason why that's concerning is that during this year, they released... Uh, <laughs> they released, let's see, Surface Pro... Surface Book 2, and did they release anything else? Um, yeah, that's, yeah. <laughs> oh, and the Surface, we got the Surface laptop as well. What am I thinking here? And so basically they have three new models, and they didn't sell any more than the prior year when they really didn't have too much new. And that is a little concerning that people aren't buying... Everyone was expecting to see a Surface increase, but clearly they're just kind of like, ah, eh, maybe Microsoft's in their in their market and this is what their their volume is going to be but that doesn't seem that doesn't seem right it's a little concerning especially more so on the surface book 2 side now granted that is premium but the fact that surface pro and surface laptop yes they did come out earlier in the year but this was the holiday shopping quarter where you would expect there to be an increase in volume over the previous year when these products didn't exist so uh that that's something that's something to keep in mind i don't know uh, actually, out of the news out of Microsoft this morning is that there's a new Surface M3 laptop. Um, if you haven't seen that yet, let's see if I can do this fancy-like over here. Uh, so Microsoft announced this laptop this morning, kind of quietly, I believe, actually. And so what they're doing is now the Surface laptop comes with a core M3, uh, 4 gigs of RAM, and uh, a paltry 128 gigs of storage for what looks like 799 Yeah, so... 799 is the new entry point for the Surface Laptop. And why would they be doing that? Well, it's because they're trying to lower the price point because when they lower the price point, they know that they're going to get an increased volume of sales. And so 
it, it's it, I think this is kind of a telling story that they're, they're not going the super premium route here. They're going, OK, let's make it cheaper because we know that people are very price sensitive. But if you're buying this is like an, this is a, a very entry level laptop at four gigs of RAM and 128 gigs of storage and a Core M3. That, that's a lot of sacrifice there in performance across many different metrics. And it only comes in that color because if you click on the burgundy, which is kind of my favorite color, uh, you can see it really jumps up to a Core i5, eight gigs of RAM and um, 256 gigs of storage. And that is a capable machine. I have no real problems with that machine, but um, I don't think any of the other things will work. Core M3, nope, just that one. And so if you want to, you can now get into a Surface laptop at that price point. I don't know if it's a good deal or not, but Microsoft seems to think that there's a market for that and they're doing that likely because they had flat sales and they say, shit, we got to do something. And so I think this is the result of that something because why wouldn't they announce this product right when they launched it? I don't know. I think this is, I, I'm not saying Surface is scrambling by any means, but I don't think that this quarter was uh, all that good to, to that, to those product lines. I'm just being completely honest. Um, office numbers, office numbers were okay. They didn't tell us an exact commercial sales figure, but doing some math based on the information given, they've got about 130 million commercial seats, which that is good for Microsoft. That's up significantly year over year, but it's not up massively from the previous quarter. Um, but th that's an important metric to watch because that's Office 365 based, which is subscription based, which is cash flow based, which is Microsoft's bread and butter. Uh, and Azure also growing above 90% for I think like the 10th quarter in a row or something like that. And as you can see, there's no big surprise here that Microsoft's cash flow and bread and butter and emphasis is all in Azure and Office for obvious reasons because they are growing like crazy there. And the long-term stability of the company is probably based around those two products. Granted, I know that Azure is a massive, a massive scaling. Um, Dynamic 365 also had a pretty good quarter as well, which is Microsoft's kind of enterprise uh, software package for sales and all that good stuff and metrics and analytics and all that um, data warehousing stuff. And so those three products are doing exceptionally well. Now, gaming is an interesting one because gaming was up 8%, but I don't know how great that is. It's not poor. Don't get me wrong. I'm not trying to be pessimistic here because obviously they started selling the Xbox One X at a $500 price point, And so their revenue was up 8%, obviously because they're selling a premium console. The, the real the real metrics will start to show with the Xbox One X in the next quarter or two after that initial early adopters kind of move on. It's like, okay, now can they get that second and third wave of people uh, and, and what's the magic price point to start selling that console? But I'm, I'm you know, I, it's a good thing, right? They're showing that people are buying this stuff. Uh, and also very impressive, 59 million monthly active Xbox Live users. Granted, that number is probably juiced a little bit because I don't believe that is Xbox Live Gold. That is just Xbox Live users. And so if you open up your Xbox app or whatever, you're technically a user. But that's a, that's a healthy number. I, that's nothing to uh, to be ashamed of by Microsoft standards. The question is how many of them can they flip over to subscribers? Uh, which, speaking of subscription, I, I think Microsoft's strategy here long term is to go to the Xbox Game Pass. I think that's going to be their true differentiator going forward. And they're going to start trying to push software as the differentiator, which is good. They've got the hardware differentiator now with the Xbox One X, right? True 4K gaming. It's a great console. There, there's nothing wrong with it. Well, I mean, it's expensive, but... Um, They've now got a hardware differentiator, and now they're going to try to try to squeeze out that software differentiator. And I think it's Xbox Game Pass, and I'm I'm realistically hoping that they they start going all in on this because the gaming market is very interesting right now. You have Nintendo, but I I could, in some respects, I could make the argument that Nintendo and Microsoft they don't really compete a whole lot. 
Right now, Nintendo is doing exceptionally well with the Switch. I'm very happy for them because I love Nintendo products. I haven't bought a Switch yet, but I could see myself buying one here uh, because the Mario game, uh, Zelda, and, or, uh, and all that good stuff. But they're doing exceptionally well. But they don't make... Someone's going to correct me here. But they don't really make like a, a high-end console. You know, they're, they're not... You don't buy a Switch because you're a first-person shooter. You don't buy a Switch because you're going to play Madden. You buy a Switch because you want that mobile gaming experience. You want the Mario. You want Mario Kart. You want that kind of family fun, casual, but great gaming experience. And Microsoft is sort of on that other end. You buy an Xbox One X because you want the hardcore. You want the first-person shooter, the Twitch shooters, uh, and 4K. And so, whatever. It's, Switch is doing well, great for them. Microsoft's really own competitor in that high-end uh, first-person shooter space is Sony. And granted, the PlayStation is doing great, and I'm very happy for competition, but there's a lot of market share for Microsoft to gain here, and they have a good in with the Xbox. Granted, a lot of people prefer PlayStation, not a problem, but that just means that there's room for Microsoft to grow, and if they can create that value proposition, then they can get some people to switch because right now they have a hardware advantage with the Xbox One X. And I believe they have a software advantage with Game Pass. And so there's a lot of room for growth there. And I'll be curious to see. That's why rumors are flying around. If Microsoft's going to buy EA, I, I don't, I, I yeah, um, it would be very interesting if they bought EA because EA is going to be roughly, you're going to have to put a premium on their market capitalization, which is how much stock they have. Uh, outstanding, which are owned by other people, or owned by people other than basically the core entity. It would cost them roughly $40 billion to, to buy EA. $40 billion. That is That is a massive, massive transaction. Now, granted, they just brought a whole bunch of cash that they couldn't have used previously on shore. Do they have the cash to do it? They absolutely do. Does it make sense? Interesting, because they would get a whole bunch of, you know, they would get a whole bunch of... Um, sports games which i don't know if they would make exclusive but they could definitely give xbox an advantage it would give them a ton of ip that they don't currently have right now uh they have halo but Halo's not it, it, halo is not what it used to be sorry halo fans it's a great franchise but it's not it, it's not like halo 1 or halo 2 where it was like this crazy different genre of gaming and you couldn't get that anywhere else that's that's no longer true for halo it's kind of worn out a little bit gears of war um not so i mean it's good but it's again they're on their fourth or fifth iteration they don't have anything new sea of thieves will be interesting that is coming out although i'm waiting diligently to see the reviews some people are very mixed some people are saying it's great casual gaming other people are saying it's pretty boring i'm waiting for the the proper reviews um i i don't have any opinions on it yet i haven't played it yet so if they bought ea crazy amount of ip would come with that and they could do a lot of things that would really propel them but would it give them $40 billion in revenue is, is a very tough challenge. Granted, they can look at how much EA is making and they're going to continue to sell those products. And it's not like they're going to cut Sony off. I, I think they would face more troubles if that happened. But um, yeah, it, it would be, a, in my opinion, be a tough sell to buy EA. I think they would be better off taking... $2 billion, just pulling a number out of a hat and investing in a ton of indie shops and telling them to make a great game. I think they would be better off with that than they would be trying to throw another additional $38 billion to grab EA. So anyways, um, that's just a quick look at the earnings. Overall, at a high level, it was a good quarter for Microsoft. They're 
growing in the areas that everyone expected growing. It wasn't a super awesome, like, blowing the roof off type quarter, but it wasn't a bad quarter by any stretch. They technically beat Wall Street's expectations, but the thing is with Wall Street expectations, if you don't beat it by a lot, then it doesn't really matter. Even meeting expectations is actually failing anymore, which is a crazy thing. It didn't used to be that way. It used to be if you got close to their expectations, then you were doing great, but whatever. Um, the market's a little inflated in my personal uh, opinion. So, uh, other things that were announced yesterday. This is this is part of a bigger narrative here, folks. And I, I've talked about this a million times. And now Microsoft is kind of being like, ah, crap. We may, maybe uh, maybe we should start listening to our customers a little bit more. So they are making some big changes to the servicing of Windows 10. Now, granted, this is only impacting the enterprise and education customers, or, or SKUs, I should say, which is fine. I think that's the correct way to approach this. But what they're doing is they're adding another six months of support to versions, let's see, what do we got? 1607, 1703, and 1709, okay? So basically it takes them from 18 months to 24 months, which means that they're going to provide patches and updates and all that stuff for those versions of Windows 10 for an additional six months or a total of 24 months instead of the 18 months. Great, that means you can run a build for essentially two years before you have to upgrade that. That is awesome. The problem is, is this is not a permanent announcement. They're basically saying only for these SKUs are we doing an additional amount of servicing. Okay, so, you, so you're giving people Lifeline. If this sounds familiar, Microsoft also did the same thing with 1511. They give it an additional six months of servicing. And now they're doing it for the other three builds that are being supported or released right now. Uh, 07, 03, and 09. Okay. So fine, you take all that, but then we're getting a new build or a new version of Windows here uh, next month. So that'll be called 1803. And if they're not saying that that's gonna get 24 months, it's gonna get 18 months. So now you have this very, one, inconsistent way of communicating with your, your most profitable customers, the enterprise. And then you have like all these intertwined servicing agreements or announcements and nothing is standard and nothing is stable. And nobody really knows like when Microsoft's actually going to lock down in 18 months because it, the long story short is companies can't adapt. I've said this a million times. Windows is not a revenue generating product for companies. So they don't feel obligated to service it like a revenue generating product. Windows is an appliance. It's a layer that allows them to install the applications that let them make money. By by a company going from, let's just say, uh, 1607 to 1709, they're not going to make more money. Like That's not going to increase their profitability. All that is doing is overhead for IT pros to manage that update process. Now, somebody's going to correct me and say, hey, this process should be becoming pretty easy. I've done it in my company where we've updated in, you know, from Win Windows 10 build to the next or no problems and fine and all that good stuff. I buy that argument that for some companies that absolutely works, but for companies where you have compatibility testing, large companies where you have 100,000 plus employees, even just the logistics of rolling out those builds to those new machines, which could be new hardware, could be old hardware, is a monumental task to take on an annual basis. And so Microsoft really needs to get its head out of its butt and realize that, hey, co companies want to upgrade uh, once a year maximum, which you can technically do now once a year but not twice a year. Twice a year is insane. Realistically, what would be nice is if you could update once every other year. And right now, Microsoft isn't going down that route. And so I, I, there's a lot of sloppiness in the Windows division right now. I'm just going to kind of throw that out there. Um, so you have this servicing mess and you got to be under, you got to understand here that when 
you start making enterprise customers upset, that's a, that is something that is not taken lightly because if Microsoft somehow lost the enterprise customer base with Windows, they would be screwed. Uh, because that would not only impact Windows sales and all that good stuff, their they're ongoing um, servicing agreements for Windows, which is a large revenue generator in the enterprise market, they would be impacting Azure, which is their future. And so if you screw with Windows at your corporate level and you're making them unhappy, that's going to go right up the flagpole all the way to the board of directors. And so um, I've heard this from a lot of different angles, and I, I haven't said anything for a couple of weeks, but the more and more I hear about it, I think there's going to be some shuffling around inside of Microsoft. I, there's already been some inside of Kudos Org, uh, Windows Next. I, I think we might see some bigger changes potentially. And if not, if we don't see them, they're definitely being mauled over at, at this point. And I've heard this from multiple people uh, that, that these types of changes are being considered because... Windows is just it, it, it's it's rough, right? I the, the the mantra inside of Windows anymore is if it's not for enterprise, it doesn't really matter because they're not making a whole lot of money in consumer space right now. Like look at all their like mixed 3D or all their 3D apps that they just condensed because nobody's using Remix 3D or whatever. They even launched a website. Nobody's making that stuff. Nobody needs it. If you're doing that stuff, it's on a phone or a tablet, which is fine. But Microsoft is about productivity. And soon as that enterprise customer um, <laughs> becomes a, a viable concern, because here's the thing, you know, it's one of the things you can piss me off once and I'll deal with it. But if you piss me off continuously, I'm going to look for alternative options. And that's what's happening. People may not agree with this, but that is exactly what's happening. Every time a company has to update a version of Windows 10, that is a monumental task. And it's something if, even if it's not a monumental task, even if it only takes you two days to do, that's two days you couldn't be doing something else. And upgrading from Windows 7 to Windows 10 is creating more work and it should be the opposite. It, that's kind of, that's, <laughs> I, I hope that, um, that that comes across clear that that, that is a, a, an ongoing concern that Windows 7 to Windows 10 creates more work for companies. That, that, that should not be, but here we are. Uh, several years in, and I'm hearing it every day that Windows 10 customers are saying that they have more work now in maintaining the OS than they did with Windows 7. Now, somebody's going to argue and say, hey, look, security, you're getting better security. That is a very rational and reasonable argument. But, but th there's many ways you can deal with security and not overhauling uh, Windows every single time is one of those options that shouldn't be on the table right now. That's kind of the, the rant in that thing uh, and be on the lookout for potentially bigger changes. But speaking of Windows 10, though, it has overtaken Windows 7 in usage for the first time, uh, according to StatCounter, which, you know, take with a grain of salt, all these st statistic based things are, are taking samples. Um, so it's not guaranteed, but roughly speaking, Windows 10 is now slightly larger than Windows 7, which is good because Windows 7 here is coming to an end in uh, about two years, year and a little over a year and a half. And so... Um, yeah, so, so Windows 10 is doing uh, all that good stuff. Other things that are happening in the world of Microsoft, uh, Microsoft is still stuck in this Intel PR disaster. I wrote this up at the beginning of the week, but what what, ha what happened earlier this week is that <laughs> is what happened earlier this week is that uh, Microsoft had to push out a patch because Intel screwed up their microcode updates and it was causing machines to reboot. We knew about the reboot issue, but then it became apparent that, um, yeah, it was corrupting data as well. Whoops. So basically Intel's fix to stop attacks was actually worse than the attack because the attacks 
there are no known exploits out in the wild. Granted, there might be here in the near future, but um, yeah, their, their patch was worse than the attack. And whoops, so Microsoft had to undo that. Intel is trying to rework their life and figure out an actual appropriate strategy here to, to fix this stuff and secure everybody up. But um, yeah, so you've got that going on. Uh, uh, Microsoft also is finally now selling that next gen, next gen, I should just call it their new Xbox wireless adapter. It's smaller, 25 bucks. Uh, I believe it was delayed a little bit now on sale. And other things happening. If you used uh, Microsoft To Do or Wonderlist, uh, To Do is finally being updated. I, and actually, that's not even totally true. My, Microsoft is now working on updates to update To Do, which includes uh, subtasks and shared lists. This has been another frustrating experience with inside of Microsoft. They bought Wonderlist, said, "Hey, we're going to actually close this down. We're going to launch a new thing called To Do." And to do is going to be the new wonder list. And then that, that narrative sat. And then they said, ah, oh, crap, we're not, we're not building this fast enough. They said, okay, we're going to keep wonder list alive, but we're going to keep developing to do. And we're eventually going to kill wonder list. And then wonder list started getting updates again. And people are like, well, is wonder list still alive? They're like, no, 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 we're going to kill it. And to do will eventually replace everything. And so this has been a multi-year narrative. And now to do is finally getting some more features. I don't know when they're going to kill wonder list um, or what is going on there. But uh, yeah, so there's that. Uh, one other quick thing here. So this is the, I, I talked about this previously. This is the Amazon uh, Echo, the, the brand new one. I'm actually replacing it, not with anything crazy. I bought a Sonos, I bought the Sonos one pair that was 349 for two of those speakers. And my whole house is decked out on Sonos. Um, I, I should, I'm going to write this up eventually. And the short of it is uh, you either buy all Sonos or no Sonos. Don't think you're going to buy like two speakers. That doesn't work. And so I'm using the Sonos one. For the Echo stuff, I don't want to say the name because people stuff will fire off in their home and it'll fire off right here. But uh, yeah, so uh, sound quality on that. I mean, it's good. It's just like the original Echo. If you've heard original Echo, that thing sounds exactly like it, but just in a uh, tinier format. So let's dive into the questions this week because there are some good ones, I believe. Uh, Pontelia says, the earnings call this week confirmed that Microsoft is an enterprise company. Other than Xbox and Windows... Uh, other than Xbox and that Windows simply installed a new PC, is there any reason for a consumer to look at Microsoft for any other product? Well, the question is, what other products would you look at them for? Because they're not on the band. They're not, they don't have a mobile device. They don't have, um, they got Surface, which granted, I will argue that Surface is great hardware. I love my Surface Book too. It is a premium product though. So you've got that going. You've got that working. Um, that was probably, what did I just do there? Whatever. Uh, but there's not a whole lot of consumer products inside of Microsoft. Now, there's a lot of kind of Windows and gaming stuff, but um, I, I mean, I would have no problem telling someone to buy an Xbox. There's uh, Xbox is a good product. I wish they would update this thing. Why isn't the screensaver running? I just realized that. Windows, everybody, Windows 10. Um, there's supposed to be that screensaver that runs every week, but instead it's just stuck on that image because why not? Um, but I would tell people to buy an Xbox. There's Xbox is still great, uh, especially Game Pass is a great value. Uh, Surface Book is Surface Book Two, I should say, is a very good product. Even Surface Pro is, but yeah, um, th there's not a whole lot of consumer products. Go walk in there. You look at other companies that are doing this stuff now. You could be talking like mixed reality headsets. I would not buy one of those personally. I would wait. Um, I I would definitely wait. Nobody's buying Hololens. They're, they're still fifteen hundred dollars. That's a corporate thing only. Um, at this point. So there's not a whole lot of options. I mean, you could buy some of their peripherals. Their, their Surface Mouse is nice. But, yeah, I, there's not a whole lot there. Uh, Andrew Tech Help. 
uh, writes, he says, this is a question about Microsoft Windows Store or the Microsoft Store on Windows 10. With Microsoft hosting things other than apps and games in the stores, such as service and subscriptions, uh, Edge extensions, Windows themes, hardware products, why does that Microsoft make these categories top level categories? Because that would be too simple. I think that I honestly think that the store looks pretty ugly. That's me personal, personally. Um, yeah. Yeah, yeah, I, I agree. He goes on to, to say they'll list out the categories. They should. Um, I don't think the Windows Store looks very nice. If I open it up right now, actually, I think we can pull it over here. Uh, let's just do that. And look at look at this fanciness on the fly. Why am I not seeing that? Da, da, da. Is that it? Nope, nope, nope. There we go. Uh, I mean, this is the Windows Store. So, like, here's what I mean. Like, look at these look at this like big small big small big small big small big small like just get some like even app like if you scroll down it's fine but I don't, like you open this up and to me this just does, looks kind of disorganized mostly i mean those icons are all kind of weird i don't know i don't personally like the look of the store um yeah i don't know i mean they, they could what he's referring to is putting the, the hardware and subscription stuff up here so it's easier to find but they kind of have it right here. Like you can hit shop surface PCs and it brings all this stuff up. If you hit surface pro, da, 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 yep. if you actually, can you buy it fully through here? Oh, I don't actually want to do that in my point. <laughs> if I accidentally buy a uh, surface pro on a podcast, that would be, um, that would not be <laughs> beneficial. My wife would be pissed, but I do. I agree. They've got a lot of work to do in the store. Uh, team 56 says, do you actually hear from a few Windows WDG or Windows Devices Group engineers wanting to move to one version per year instead of per six months? Or is this just a consensus from Microsoft-centric journalists? Because a lot of the times when you hear Paul Foley, et cetera, you say the same things, I felt usually are trying to get their voice out in the world. So this is very mixed. It depends who you ask. If you're on the consumer side, I think two updates per year on the consumer side is fine. That's not really too big of a deal because it's typically you have one or two machines in your household. That is that is fine. Uh, it's mostly enterprise customers and enterprise channel folk, folk, uh, folks who are saying, "Hey, we, one update per year would be better." So I do hear people inside of the company say that because there's it, it's very rushed right now. They are going to uh, uh, next week or on the 8th, they're going to lock down or lock down or align on what Redstone 5 is going to be. Then they have about three months to build it, two months to test it, and one month to ship it. That's not a lot of time. It's not a lot of time to really harden things down. And so they're, they're trying to get to that cadence, and it'll be a great cadence once they're fully locked in the line, but we're a couple years in, and they're still not, and things still feel a bit rushed uh, even announcements, they're not great at announcing things. Like sets was a little bit ambiguous, but like uh, timeline, cloud clipboard, these are all things that they've announced that they can't ship. It, it, so why announce them? But they think they can do it, and then they can't, and then you know it's just awkward. Like it's they need to be in a better thing, a better rhythm where they can say these are the features coming explicitly, and then they ship them. Um, be, because right now they're going to ship a couple new features this spring, like timeline, but are you know this isn't new this is something i announced um, last year so anyways there you go uh raul says now that sets is a thing from microsoft will it be coming to other platforms i don't know what other platforms it would be i mean it's i don't think it's it can't really come to ios it can't really come to android i mean i guess it could come to xbox but i think it's going to be windows only uh omega says uh when you and paul snuggle who is the big spoon i'll let your imagination run wild there uh jules 
Combat, or Jules Combat, Jules Wombat says, can you explain why Microsoft would be upgrading their Windows 10 camera app without any mobile platform? So they're upgrading it for a couple of reasons. One, it technically is used within Windows 10, uh, and Andromeda is going to be using that, I believe, same camera app and widget experience, and it's all tied into that. Um, actually, there was some other information that was uncovered about how the Andromeda OS being able to make phone calls, and so they need it for that experience. That's exactly where that's going. Uh, J.R. Flynn says, perhaps you can rationalize, uh, perhaps you can help rationalize how Microsoft is doubling down and stepping back on Windows as a service. Extending support for Windows for Enterprise is good, but in my opinion, it's still too short. Agreed. Uh, locking new Office out of the old, oh, I think I forgot to mention this, uh, while also limiting uh, the functionality of long-term servicing channel is kind of crazy that came up uh, the original 18 months ago. I forgot to mention this, Office 2019, if you want to install it, this is the non-Office 365 version, will be Windows 10 only. Despite the fact that Windows 8 will still be in lifecycle support and technically Windows 7, um, yeah, you have to be installing Windows 10 there, turning, you know, turning the arm uh, behind your back to make you be kind of forcing you to upgrade to Windows 10. And the fact that it's not going to run, uh, they're limiting the functionality of, the, of it on the long-term servicing channel is kind of nuts too, because a lot of people were running that iteration of Windows because it, it supported for effectively 10 years, five years mainstream and five years extended. Uh, also speaking of support for Office 2019, they're limiting the support to seven years instead of the tr traditional 10. And it's their, their wording is very confusing. They do five years mainstream support, which is, uh, just standard and then they say approximately two years extended life cycle support what does that mean does that mean they can shorten it are they going to extend it some clarity would actually be great there but i there's not a, the rationale here jr is I, I think it's actually junior flint but I, I always say jr for whatever reason is that they want people on windows 10 that's it that's the rationale and they want people on the semi-annual channel sac and not the long-term servicing branch there's no other explanation. I'm trying not to sneeze. <laughs> trying not to sneeze. But that, that is the absolute rationale. I can't think of any other reason why uh, they would be doing this. I don't think there's any technical reason. They are just saying, we're going to support Windows 10. And because Office 2019 lifecycle will expand longer than Windows 7, which they don't want anyone on Windows 7 anymore. Yeah, they're not going to do it. Uh, basically, Microsoft's standing in a pit of cobras, and they're telling you that the water's just fine, and that as long as you're willing to spend more money and spend more time upgrading in Windows 10 on a frequent basis, come on over. It'll be great. It's a really ballsy move. Uh, I, I, I'm not, not a big fan of it, personally. Um, they should support every version of Windows that is active and go from there. I just think, I honestly just think people, just, if they're running Windows 7, well, obviously they're just not going to upgrade. They're not going to upgrade to Windows 10 until they have to. And I suspect that Windows 7 holdouts are going to be much larger um, in volume than I, I think Windows XP. I, I have a feeling it might be that way. So we will see. Uh, and then Z, oh God, Z cause, we're just going to go with that, says, is there any chance you can look into Microsoft's future plans on allowing an installation of UWP apps from third-party sources? A couple years back, I remember this, Tim Sweeney attacked UWP platform because he said it would lead to a lock-in. Uh, Microsoft responding saying that UWP was an open platform and not tied to Windows Store. But looking at the Windows 10S and rumors around Polaris, Windows Store seems to be the only source for apps and games and Windows in the future, and you're not wrong. Um, I don't think there's really, there's no third-party store from what I understand. Um, I believe you can sideload UWP applications, but if you're wanting to say go to Steam uh, and download a UWP app, I don't think you can do that right now. Now, can it be done technically? I guess maybe. 
um, I mean, I'm sure you could actually, but why would why would you put a UWP store or game in Steam? I don't, you're not going to get any of the benefits, I don't believe. I don't know. That's actually that's something to dig into. This is why I love questions because now I have something to do for next week. Speaking of next week, I'm actually going to be in New York City. Uh, no secret surface event like last time when I said I was going to New York City. Um, this is just planning, planning meetings for uh, for the year ahead. Um, some updates to Throat.com and Petri.com and that kind of stuff. Um, so Paul and I will both be in New York, but it, trust me, we'd much rather be at a Secret Service event. But there is none, I promise you. Um, so don't be holding out for that. Uh, one other thing to bring up today, folks. Today is National Tater Tot Day. Big fan of tater tots. I don't know how this kind of came to be, but for the several years, people have always been sending me stuff. I get recipes emailed me for tater tots and tweets and tater tots and all that stuff. Mary Jo tweeted me some tater tot stuff this morning. Um, but yeah, so somebody commented, I think it was John Smith, said something about the the pen issue. Um, so yeah, I, I've heard this, but I'm not super familiar with it because I'm not, I, I draw on a surface. I draw, I mean, I draw like on that thing, but it's mostly like just markups on PDFs and design changes for certain things. Um, but it, I believe that if you're trying to do like fine grained work that you might want to be careful with the surface. I think there is a pen issue currently, but I also know that most people don't use pens. We know that because, uh, they don't ship with pens anymore because they found out there was low usage of it. E. And that was one of the kind of the hallmark features. So just be careful that if you are, as John points out, if you are wanting to buy a Surface and you're explicitly buying it for its pen input, just be, you need to do some research on the pen issue. So know about that. Um, that wraps it up for today, folks. I very much appreciate everybody tuning in, chiming out, hanging on, uh, commenting and helping out because this, uh, this is the best part of my week. This is something I enjoy doing and appreciate you coming along. Have yourselves a wonderful weekend and we'll catch you right back here next time.